0: Welcome everyone to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney,
1: and you're horrible.
0: <laughs> this is episode eighty-five, and we're reviewing Wolf Children. As always, there'll be spoilers about this episode, so you've been warned. I'm so sorry. I'm in the middle of laughing, and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, you're I horrible. I can't keep it together. <laughs> Long story short, we're taught ta- we were talking about dick fight island in our (laughs) pre-show and then i don't know there was like a nipple and a tweet and then we translated the tweet and it said this is an attack pie that is robbed and i'm like that's that's there's no way that's correct um anyway i'm like tearing up right now
1: (laughs) a very emotional film
0: (laughs) (laughs) well for any of our patrons out there um who have access to our pre-show uh, look forward to listening to that pre show, which is probably going to be out soon, if not already. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. Long story short, Dick Fight Island, um, if you're into Yaoi. I haven't read it, but uh, someone read it and tell me what it's like. (laughs) Um, But yes, welcome to our review of Wolf Children, something far more wholesome than Dick Fight Island. Uh, Before we get into the actual movie, I wanted to share another reminder about our upcoming panel that we are hosting at Anime Central in May. And we're very excited. We're very nervous. Um, The the panel's going to be Waifu Wars, the tournament arc. Still no update yet as to the day and time of our panel, but it will be in the evening because it is an 18 and up panel because who the fuck knows what we're going to say or what people are going to say when we're arguing about our waifus.
1: It's going to be wild. And I think at the time of this episode being released, it'll be about three weeks until ASIN. So it's very exciting. I'm looking forward to it earlier before we were doing the recording both of us were kind of just putting our cosplay stuff together and putting a a game plan of what we would need to do for cosplays and I would say like we're pretty ahead with the stuff that we have to put together
0: yeah I feel like the bulk of our work is honestly going to be finishing our prep for the panel itself Mm -hmm. but yeah cosplay wise we're we're pretty much good to go that's like one thing we can check off and this is unusual because I feel like for us, and honestly, for most cosplayers in the community, you usually end up with last-minute things that you need to do the night before the con. You're up until like 4 in the morning um, trying to pack and fix you know, your wig or, I don't know, like get all your accessories together, or get your, your props together. So hopefully with this cosplay, we're far enough ahead where we don't have to worry about that because I'm going to be stressing about the panel in the days leading up to the convention.
1: Yeah, especially because... I'm not sure sh- we, we're, we're going to try to do Oh, we are going to do a recording of this panel so that it'll be available for any listeners who weren't able to attend ASIN. But this will be my first time trying to put together a live audio setup. Uh, so it will definitely be interesting that that's on my to do list. Um, as Courtney also has her to do list of putting together like the, the presentation and stuff.
0: Well, hopefully it all turns out great. I'm excited about it. Um, Again, it's a first time panel for us, so who knows what will happen. We're just going to go with the flow, but we're going to bring good vibes. And we hope that you guys, if you're going to Anime Central, join us and bring your good vibes as well. So if you're interested in the panel, um, we're going to obviously update you guys here on the podcast episodes. But if you want to get updates even sooner, um, check out our Twitter at strictly series (laughs) i had a brain fart there our twitter at strictly series our instagram at the strictly series or join our discord because we'll be posting um updates as soon as we have them on those platforms what's been going on with us recently what did we do last weekend that was fun oh i know i I asked the question then i immediately remembered (laughs) we went to the bar and it was great because it was a y2k millennial pop-up
1: yes so there's a bar in chicago called replay and it's a pretty cool bar because part of it has like retro arcade games that you can act you can play for free i don't know if they just like overrode the machines or whatever but you don't have to insert any tokens and you can play and and drink obviously you have to pay for drinks but play and drink to your heart's desire and then part of the bar is also set up for like pop-up events uh, so i know recently they did a uh, shrek theme but the time that we went they had the bar kind of split between the shrek pop-up and i think what do they call it y2k replay replay y2k yeah and so it's pretty cool they, they set up like a one of the bars was themed around blockbuster video oh, which yeah. is definitely a throwback for a lot of millennials for those who aren't in the know blockbuster was a video rental store chain where the days before streaming you had to go to a store and if you didn't want to purchase it you, you rented a movie on tape or dvd you watched it for like a day and then you went back to return it and i can't believe we lived with that sort of model like business model
0: (laughs) we sound like boomers explaining all this stuff but for anyone who's a millennial i'm sure you can relate they also had um another bar themed around radio shack which radio shack i don't know if they had them outside the u.s but radio shack um was a store which i think was supposed to make a comeback but essentially sold electronic goods like best Mm -hmm. buy but like much smaller and more more niche.
1: yeah electronic hardware yeah
0: like it was, it was it was more aimed at like i don't know people who needed specific wanted to items. build ham radios or yeah <laughs> not so much like best buy which has a whole bunch of shit it was just very focused on like electronics and electronic parts um so yeah they had one of those was themed around that they had a the one section in the back of the bar was turned into a girl's bedroom and it was like right, all yeah. pink it had um i don't even know what you call them like the things that hang from the ceilings you remember what it was like like
1: a streamer thing or
0: i don't know i can't remember what they were called i used to have them uh, in my room um but for anyone okay for any any girls or boys out there that had the beads in front of their doorway growing up in the 90s it was kind of like that but they just stuck them to the ceiling instead i cannot fucking remember the name of them if i do remember i'll let you know Um but then they had like cardboard cutouts of avril lavigne and christina aguilera and britney spears and they had like Pictures cut out and, and like taped to the walls of like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, and Ninety Eight Degrees and I was like holy shit this is this is a throwback this is like what my room looked like before I transitioned from boy band pictures to anime pictures all over my walls.
1: Yeah, and the DJ was was bumping all the millennial music of the nineties, two thousands, and the bar had specials too like cocktails. Looking at the list here, all very 90s, early 2000s themed. Fizzy McGuire. Fizzy McGuire. Burn Book. It's Britney, bitch. The <laughs> Bomb. Chips Don't Lie. Drink 182. Blockbuster Night. P. Diddy's Canned Cocktails. After School Snack Dial-Up. Well, wow, dial up. Dial
0: up. Wow. Oh my God, dude.
1: 56K. That was the way to go back
0: then. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. I drank a shitload. I actually didn't have any of the theme drinks. I just drank rum and coke the entire night.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just bought a canned drink.
0: Yeah, it was fun. I enjoy it. Anytime there's a, a fun pop up at replay, we we try to go. We miss the Shrek one, but it's, I mean, Shrek's fun. I, I just don't, it doesn't resonate with me as much. If they do a Bugs Life pop up, then sure, I'll go to that. <laughs>
1: Which might be a shocker to most, although I've said a, I think a couple times on the podcast that I'm I haven't watched a lot of like classic movies. I've only ever watched the original Shrek like once.
0: Wow. Well, <laughs> as long as you get the memes, I guess that's fine. And I honestly, mean, yeah. the other Shreks are okay. It's the first one's the, the best in my opinion.
1: Yeah, obviously we had Mike Mike Myers, right? Yes. And um Eddie Murphy. And yes, Cameron Diaz, right? She played the princess.
0: Oh, probably I forgot about that. <laughs> Is that Fiona? I, uh, Is that her
1: name? Yeah, Fiona. Um, hold on, now I I want to make sure I'm not gaslighting myself. Yeah, Cameron Diaz played Princess Fiona, and Mike Myers did play Shrek.
0: Who played Lord? Is it was Farquad or Farquhar? <laughs> Lord
1: Farquad.
0: Farquad. Is he in the first movie or did yeah, he show? I mean, yeah, he second. was in the first
1: one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> John Lithgow. Oh, okay. The guy who was, I think he was in 30 Rock. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers that show. Was <laughs> it Not 30 Rock. No, <laughs> what's it? Oh, God, what's the name of it? Third uh... Planet from the Sun or something.
0: Oh, I never watched that.
1: Uh, oh, man, I'm, hold on. <laughs> These are all come. It was it third, third Rock from the Sun? Not Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock was the one with Tina Fey, right? Yeah, and Alec Baldwin. Okay, Third Rock from the Sun. Okay, but, I,
0: I never watched that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, John Lithgow was on that, which that's technically like a, a Y2K throwback.
0: Kinda, yeah. What else did they have? Oh, they had two stages set up for pictures. Uh, one right. was um, like a bunch of school lockers with like Lisa Frank stickers and like all this gaudy 90s shit. And then it had Britney Spears from Hit Me Baby One More Time mm-hmm. um, in that schoolgirl outfit, like a cardboard cutout of her. And then on the other stage, they had, um, I don't know, what song was it?
1: No, it was the album cover for NSYNC's No Strings Attached.
0: But wasn't that also from one of the music videos?
1: Uh, because they
0: like, it, whatever No Strings Attached is, they, the, the music video is them getting cut out of like their puppet strings and then they run around that grocery store for some I reason. I
1: think it's the music video for Bye Bye Bye. Oh, wait, but, not a
0: grocery store. It was like a toy store. I don't yeah, know what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was
1: a it was a toy store. Uh, but the actual image that they used, because they set it up as like a, a theater stage, but the, the backdrop was of the album cover for No Strings Attached which was an album I was definitely familiar with. Hell, because, yeah. You know, my sister was a huge Insync fan growing up, and she would play that music on loop.
0: All right, I got to <laughs> ask you, were you an Insync person or a Backstreet Boys person? NSYNC. Good, me too. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Okay, then next question. Who was your favorite member of Insync?
1: Ooh... I feel like this is the mainstream answer, but I think it's JT.
0: Oh, mine was JC Chazé. I he think, was a second. I he think he second. has the better singing voice, although I'm not musically inclined, so I could be talking out of my ass. <laughs>
1: Honestly, I don't think I've ever or recall ever hearing Joey Fatone. Is Joey, it, fat one? Fat yeah, one Joey is Fatone? Yeah, Joey Fatone. Or maybe even Lance. I feel like you only hear Chris... Justin, and JC. Because
0: Chris Kirkpatrick can hit those high notes, right? Yeah. And he was fucking um, Chip Skylark in, in <laughs> right. Fairly Odd Parents, and he would sing in it, too. I just thought that was so random.
1: Yeah, my shiny teeth in me are, yeah, icky-vicky. <laughs> and then JC went on to do, uh, he was a judge for America's Best Dance Crew.
0: Yes, he was. He was kind of like the Simon Cowell of that group. Mm-hmm. The very harsh judge.
1: The And then Joey... I think he did like a couple game shows.
0: He did some Food Network stuff too. Oh, which right, was, right, Which is where the fat one came <laughs> from. <laughs>
1: and I don't know if like Lance Bass really did anything.
0: He just tried to go to the moon and then it didn't All work out. Right. Remember that? He was supposed to like be the first celebrity or s- first somebody to go to the moon. And, and then I think um, nothing came of that.
1: He also tried to purchase like the Brady Brunch.
0: Brunch? <laughs>
1: Bra- <laughs> the, the Brady Bunch property
0: yeah that's right because he didn't want it to be sold and then like torn down or anything he wanted to preserve it i think i don't know if he has it now or like another group has it
1: i think another group had it and then they actually turned it into a
0: a museum, museum like a replica of the original house right
1: i'm pretty sure yeah. okay
0: well anyway that's a tangent but yes the the y2k pop-up was a ton of fun um if you lived through that era if you're a millennial you would definitely appreciate all of the effort that that replay put into it. I know we did. I had a really good time. We were celebrating um, our good friend's birthday. Shout out to Kevin. And yeah, it was it was fun. Uh,
1: we we did like a I guess a group cosplay of like a group a cosplay. Generic. We were coordinated <laughs> in our outfits. Well, five of us did like a, a generic boy band thing where we all wore like denim.
0: <laughs> yeah, straight up <laughs> denim and like white t-shirts. It was it looked really good.
1: Yeah, and a couple people at the bar were snapping photos of us so it was pretty fun
0: mine was like i I did the best that i could with the clothing that i had i had um platform shoes they were black not white but yeah they were platform shoes those were big back in the day and then i did my hair with those like half pigtail things and then like the pc like long thin bangs in the front probably doesn't make any sense without a picture but yeah i rocked that look which i haven't rocked that look in many many years (laughs)
1: Yeah, the 90s were, 90s, early 2000s were wild. I know a lot of people say like the 80s was one of the wildest decades, but like thinking back on the 90s, early, early 2000s, <laughs> I don't know how we got away with some of the fashion or even the music.
0: Honestly, a lot of it's coming back. It's yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, but Replay has done other fun pop-ups besides like Shrek and Y2K. One of them I think was, wasn't it Pokemon. Yes, because that onyx was up one. above the bathroom yeah
1: they usually keep certain i don't know if you want like call them relics or, or props from... yeah props from previous pop-ups they did pokemon there was the office one that we've gone to oh that was good yeah um always sunny which i think was one of the first pop-ups oh, that, that we was so to, much fun when they did like a patty's pub sort of thing
0: that was great too because for anyone who's watched it's always sunny in philadelphia if you remember the Flip-adelphia, episode <laughs> yeah. we competed in Philadelphia and yeah. we made it okay let me just tell this story we <laughs> i carried our team because the only drinking game that i have any skill at is flip cup or flippy cup depending on where you're from and how you say it um and so i was the anchor obviously the, the team did really well but you know i, I like to think it kind of carried us a little bit making sure that we got to what the the finals were were we like second
1: we got pretty f- Far ahead if I remember. We
0: were like in the finals or like one step before the finals. There was like us and like two other teams left. So we were pretty far along. And then we didn't make it. Thanks to a certain person who, if you're listening, you know who you are. (laughs) We never let him live it down. The cup just
1: kind of stayed with him. We were
0: all screaming like, go, go. And I'm like standing here at the end as the anchor. I'm like, well, I can't do shit until you go. But, you know, it's it's fine. We made it pretty far. It was fun. We got really drunk. We made sweaters that said the night man cometh because that's one of my favorite episodes.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. That
0: was a good time. But hopefully someday they do an anime-themed pop-up. I'm sure it's bound to happen. Or maybe something more specific like, I don't know, a Dragon Ball Z-themed pop-up or a Naruto-themed pop-up. So if that ever happens, we'll keep everyone posted. We'll go. We'll take pictures. That way you can experience an anime pop-up at a bar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and again, for those of you that live in the Chicagoland area, the bar, again, is called Replay. It is in Lincoln Park. So definitely check them out.
0: So let's move on to Wolf Children. I, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm just going to get right into it. I, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Um, I think it it still, to me, wasn't the most amazing anime movie I've ever seen. But I was kind of expecting it to be maybe similar to My Neighbor Totoro. Because that's the last anime movie that we watched and reviewed on Strictly Anime where I felt like it was following that family dynamic, but never really had, you know, kind of like an end goal or anything we were kind of working toward. Here I felt like this was what Totoro maybe could have done to appeal more to someone like me. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. What what were your initial thoughts of Wolf Children?
1: Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. I went into this film pretty blindly, but reading the title and watching the intro scenes, I remember thinking, is this going to be like the anime version of Twilight? Which it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I granted, I've never watched Twilight. I just know I either. vampires, and then a wolf shows up at some point, and it's about teenage love or whatever. Uh, but yeah, as I said, I, I didn't know much about this movie going into it. I had a feeling as with most of the anime films that we've recently watched that it was going to be a tear jerker and similar to you it wasn't as like emotionally devastating as I had initially thought but it nevertheless it it still gave me strong feels especially watching Hana as a single mother doing what she can to provide for her two children and this is our first mamoru hosoda film right
0: yes
1: so yeah a lot of firsts for me in film recently with uh my neighbor totoro being my first miyazaki film and now uh wolf children being our first mamoru hosoda film and i believe this was the first feature film to come out of his studio studio chizu because he had i think he previously worked with madhouse and then he formed Studio Chizu to kind of produce his own projects and the first of which is Wolf Children. And I think a lot of his other films that have come out recently, yeah, The Boy and the Beast, Mirai, and then Belle, which was from last year, have all been through Studio Chizu. Uh, so obviously like with uh, Mom, or watching this as uh, Hosoda's first film for us, comparing that to Miyazaki, I think those comparisons are going to be inevitable uh and I think there's kind of a connection there too because I was also reading that Mamoru Hosoda was originally set to direct Howl's Moving Castle
0: oh interesting yeah
1: and then Miyazaki came in um but I think the difference with this film and comparing it to again just the one Miyazaki film that I've watched which was My Neighbor Totoro I feel like uh Hosoda is kind of like a, a almost like a mature or his films are like mature, more mature versions of Miyazaki's. Uh, I was reading an article by the arts and culture blog, Cafe Marat, and Hosoda's cinema, it was said that Hosoda's cinema is centered around three themes, love, family, and time, which are also present, I want to say, in Miyazaki films, but um, those are also distinctly covered in this movie, and I feel like it's it's, especially for us as, older individuals um and i think this movie is kind of geared towards an older crowd like there are themes there that we can empathize with more more so than with a movie like my neighbor totoro which is more about like uh, reliving our youth right
0: yeah you bring up a good point like totoro is focused like the main characters are the two sisters versus here where the main character is hana and her story um it's narrated by yuki Her daughter um, but really it's it's following Hana's story and I really appreciate that this story is honest like I just felt like there wasn't anything besides the fact that they're fucking you know wolves they're fucking wolves (laughs) yeah literally and figuratively okay (laughs) okay? (laughs) both (laughs) besides the whole wolf element to this story um, I felt like everything was fairly realistic and I, I do appreciate a, a decent level of realism in something that i'm watching i find myself to be a realist so i connect more with things that have realistic elements to them granted a lot of anime is very um dramatized is that the word dramatized drama
1: yeah let would say dramatized um
0: dramatized um it's very i don't know over the top it, it has strong fantasy elements even in a lot of slice of life it can be just very exaggerated with certain elements. I felt like this one was just at a nice realistic level for most of it. Like it was trying to portray the like an honest take on what it's like to be a single mother, a first-time mother and a mother of children who are extremely unique where she doesn't have any one or any resource that she can go to to understand how to raise these types of children properly or correctly or whatever term
1: yeah, and I know like there have been plenty of m- movies, especially live action ones. I can't recall most off the top of my head that have focused on a similar topic with like motherhood. The one that I remember is I think it this one an Oscar um yeah, it was an Oscar winning film, Room with Brie Larson from a couple years ago.
0: I have no idea what okay. that is. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: called Room. And i'll it,
0: google it while you're explaining it yeah
1: it was about like a, a mother who was held captive um, in a room in an enclosed space with enclosed space with her her son um, is this a real story
0: or based on a real story
1: it's based on a novel oh okay uh, but you have like movies like that that are just really intense and gripping And I think like with this film and a lot of other anime films, they still have that feel-good element. Granted, this is still a a very gripping story, like following Hana as she kind of goes through the trials and tribulations of raising these children, not just as a single mother, but as uh, having children with these unique abilities. But it's, it's something that's, I guess, easier for us to consume where it's not like totally weighing down on us but we walk away knowing like the the theme that's being conveyed do you know what i mean like we're, we're not it's, it doesn't sink heavily on us
0: yeah like it, it it tackles heavy themes but in a way that's lighthearted enough where you feel hopeful Like you, right. can, you can get a good sense of like the intense pressure that that Hana is under to raise these children you know after losing her husband and but like it's not done in a way that's like trying to get you to cry. It's kind of almost embodying her personality. As she explained before to her hu- her late husband, she grew up with a father who said to always smile, even to the point where she smiled through her father's funeral, even if it off put some people because she just wants to always look at the positive side of things. And that's how she gets through certain issues um so yeah there's definitely some heavy moments but i feel like there's always that that air of positivity or air of hopefulness that yes this is a difficult time for these characters but they will overcome this and they're always looking forward as they do so Side note, um, I don't like Brie Larson. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't like Brie Larson as what's her face Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. I just think she was a terrible cast for that that um, that role. So maybe in in Room she's a better she puts well, on a better I think performance.
1: She won uh, best actress for her performance in Room. All right, I'd be interested so. to
0: watch it just to see how she does. Like I just feel like her acting was so forced and annoying as Captain Marvel. But I don't know. Maybe I that's just, just thought
1: me. she doesn't didn't have as much charisma as the other marvel superheroes. she just
0: seemed like a bitch the whole time i'm like yeah captain marvel's a strong character i'm sure but i don't think she's a bitch like (laughs) jeez but anyway let's move on to the synopsis for wolf children and we can dive into Um, more details around this movie and for anyone who is not familiar with our format for movies we don't usually do a chronological breakdown of the movie we try to to a certain degree but we really just kind of go through the synopsis and then open it up to discussion just because it's a little bit it's not as easy to go through things chronologically as it would be to you know doing like a 12 episode anime
1: Yeah, so everyone go ahead and bask under the full moon as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Wolf Children, which is a 2012 Japanese anime film directed and co-written by Mamoru Hosoda and produced by Studio Chizu. The film depicts 13 years in the life of a young woman, Hana, who falls in love with a werewolf while in college, and following his death must raise the resulting half-wolf, half-human siblings, Ame and Yuki. Who grow and find their own paths in life. Once Upon a Tokyo Time, college student Hana falls in puppy or where puppy love with a wolf among us, and they subsequently raise a pair of the titular wolf children until the big dad wolf is unceremoniously killed off screen for being Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf.
0: Ooh, that's a good song.
1: Realizing that it takes a village to raise a wolf child and not a metropolitan area like Tokyo. Hana takes a page from my neighbor Totoro and moves her family to the countryside, befriending the local townsfolk, including the resident Gran Torino Grumpster, and learning how to play real-life Animal Crossing to keep her children, Ame and Yuki, well fed and taken care of. As Yuki grows up wanting to embrace her human side despite a close call with a new classmate, Ame heeds nature's call, but not in the I have to pee type of way, and seeks to become king of the hill using his werewolf abilities and under the tutelage of Starfox's distant relative. The family's respective paths in life are set after a storm comes crashing into the countryside, where Yuki's classmate resolves to keep her secret, and Ame embraces his wild side by protecting his forested kingdom, and Hana sees a vision of the big dad wolf beaming with pride at the way she she raised their wolf children. After Yuki moves into her school's dorm and Ame sets off on his Pokemon adventure, Hana is left alone at her countryside home, taking full advantage of that empty nest or empty wolf's den life. And they lived happily wherever after.
0: So let's start with animation because I want to call something out right off the bat. Um, But before I do that, did you enjoy the aesthetic of this movie? What were your thoughts on the aesthetic of this movie?
1: Like, backgrounds and environments, they were just like any other anime film. And I'm not downplaying those, because I'm saying, like, anime films, usually when it comes to backgrounds and environments, are always beautiful. As if, like, I'm looking at a photograph, and that was the same case here with Wolf Children. I think it was more so how the characters looked. Like, they... There's a, there was a program that I used in high school called sketchup for a, an architectural drafting class and they you ha-
0: took an architectural gra- graphing drafting <laughs> class <laughs> yeah
1: I, I don't know I just I, I thought it was interesting but uh, they had figures of people that you could use in your your models just to to give them life but they were always very simply drawn like sometimes with like not even distinct facial features, just like a, an eye hole and a mouth hole. and That's kind of what the art or like the character designs in here reminded me of. Like they were just very plain. But I think we've mentioned this several times before. Plain animation, like this isn't always a hindrance, especially if the story is strong enough. And so I, I kind of kind of forgive it because of how strong the story was.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in a, a similar vein there where at first I, I had a hard time getting into the aesthetic, into the animation of this movie, but that quickly subsided when I realized, not realized, but when I kind of just got used to it, um, didn't take me long to do that. And when I got more engrossed in the story, like the animation is interesting because you have these hyper-realistic environments, which almost look like, which probably was the case, they just took a picture of a room and then just like, did a once-over with some sort of artistic ability to make it look more like an actual anime environment. Again, I think that's how most anime environments are made nowadays. Um, But you have, again, these hyper-realistic environments with extremely minimalist characters. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, like, them drawn with very, um, like, not a lot of variety in the colors. So I'm, like, looking at some of the character models right now. And you have, like, I don't know, Hana, for example. She has... Um, her clothes on and like all the stuff but there's no depth to the way she's drawn like there's no shadowing there's no shading um it's just flat color like her face is all one color there's mm-hmm. no shadow under her chin there's no shadow along her nose there's barely no sh- a nose actually yeah there's no shadowing in like the creases of her clothing again like it is just lines and blocks of color And that there's nothing wrong with that. It's just such an interesting decision to take those minimalist character designs and place them against hyper realistic environments because part of the reason it took me a little bit to get into it was that they didn't look cohesive.
1: Mm. Like it
0: just kinda seemed like they were pasted on top and then they just kind of moved around within those worlds. But again, it's nothing it wasn't ugly. It it wasn't, you know, super distracting. So it didn't take me long to look past that and just kind of get right into you know, the movie itself.
1: And I want to say there were a couple times where Ame or Yuki would transition from human to wolf, and those were pretty seamless. Like, yeah. it wasn't like a, a a swift cut. Like, it kind of blended in. And I think even the, the, the first half of the movie, when we see the unnamed wolf father, as he's transforming, it, it's also very seamless in how they do it so
0: yeah i agree i think the transformations were done phenomenally like they didn't try to hide the character behind like a wall and they pop out on the other side fully transformed. like you got to see the full transformation the half transformation the quarter transformation you got to see Mm -hmm. all of it and you're right like it did look incredibly seamless it almost looked natural the way they did because they didn't really call attention to it like they didn't besides the first one like when the husband transformed obviously that was a big deal they zoomed in on him they focused on him but when you have those moments of yuki like you're you're probably in like hana's first person point of view and yuki's like complaining to her like mom i want to go play outside or mom i want to eat this for dinner and then she gets all frustrated and she kind of transforms and runs around the room like she just changes and they don't draw attention to it they don't change the camera angle she just changes and starts running around as a wolf and then comes back and she's a little girl and to your point like it just looks very very seamless
1: yeah I'm, I'm kind of glad that they didn't cut at that point and maybe that's just a testament to the the talent at studio chizu which i'm not sure if they were also um part uh staff that were also part of madhouse um but yeah can't fault them on those transitions
0: i think it helps too because it it helps the viewer get accustomed to the idea that these are half wolf children and it Mm. it helps me feel like i i see things through Hannah's lens which is this is just everyday life for her there is nothing special i mean obviously they're special children but there's there's nothing special or unique about this because she lives it every single day watching these kids transform between humans and wolves so Not calling mad attention to it, I thought was a really smart choice.
1: And I think we've beaten this dead horse before. Dead wolf, (laughs) (laughs) just a couple shots of when they're in the Tokyo like metropolitan area, where you have people uh, walking around, and it's very clear that they're CGI.
0: Yeah, CG. They tried. They tried, but like Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it stuck out like a sore thumb. But it is what it is let's talk about music next because i thought the music was nice but i didn't really it, it didn't like stick in my brain too much but really I, i'm sure you've got lots of things to say about it
1: I, I do have a few uh it it's very piano and string heavy which i feel like is a, it's a staple <laughs> with a lot of these dramatic anime films um uh, always like tugging at the heartstrings and such and to give credit the composer for the film is masakatsu takagi i believe he has collaborated with mamoru hosoda on several other films yeah uh, boy and the beast and mirai i thought that the score for this film was quite varied despite still being piano and string heavy um, at times, it felt very whimsical, like with a lot of the fantasy elements incorporated. Kind of like uh, Joe Hisashi in his Ghibli films, um, especially in the when Hana takes them hunting, and when they have that like that winter scene where they're just running across the forest. Oh, and where whatever. I thought
0: Hana was gonna break her fucking neck when she started right. rolling down the hill. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it, that those parts, the music felt very ghibli or ghibli however you want to say it very ghibli-esque or like even disney-esque and then it goes to something very emotionally gripping kind of like the score in a silent voice like the melodramatic score by kensuke ushio the one track that really sticks out in my head is i believe it's called maternity sky and the album is available on spotify for anyone who wants to stream it there um they use this in the montage where Hanna becomes pregnant and she and wolf dad i'll just call him wolfie
0: <laughs> wolfie his name uh, is i guess it's listed as okami right oh Which literally means, means Wolf. Like wolf
1: uh, but the montage after they've <laughs> they've had furry sex <laughs> oh we'll get to that <laughs> um her transitioning into motherhood i it's a very pleasant orchestral soundtrack and i i added it to my soundtrack my anime soundtrack spotify playlist because it was one song that did stick with me and i believe it's reprised uh at the very end of the film when uh hana learns to accept ame's decision to go into the forest uh yeah that's all that's what i had to say about the score so Again, it, it's, you, you could say that it, it's, it sounds like any other dramatic anime film score, but I just appreciated that there were still unique elements to it, so it's not always stuck within that genre.
0: Yeah, I, I do, like, vaguely recall, especially some of the the more whimsical songs, I recall the music, but I don't, like, fully recall it, and I think I've mentioned this before, like, for me, it's a, it's a 50-50, it's a toss-up on whether or not I'm gonna remember the, the score from an anime, like, if it really just grabs me, and if it resonates with me, the music itself, then yes, I'll remember it, like, I've put... On our Spotify playlist with a bunch of like, it's just like focused on anime scores. I've put stuff from Violet Evergarden on there. Obviously, I have stuff from Inuyasha on there. um I think I even put something from Sasaki Tomiyano because it was like a beautiful song. But if it doesn't grip me at that level, where like I want to put it or at least some of the songs on a Spotify playlist, I'm probably not gonna remember much of it. So I I can like vaguely replay the music in my head, and it was beautiful. I do recall that, but like it. I I probably won't remember it as days go by.
1: (laughs) What about the the vocal tracks on here? Like during the film, you can hear like a a woman singing. Do you remember those? No,
0: there was a lady singing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were certain parts like those songs. I wasn't as like I wasn't so hot on, and maybe it's just because I I wasn't um, taken or resonating with her voice, but. You know, I, I kind of appreciate that they, they had those moments because I feel like those are sort of meant to serve as like lullabies, kind of contributing to the, the motherly nature of the story, especially with Hana. And I think they, they did a, a sort of lullaby song over the credits as well um yeah i
0: don't remember that at (laughs) all i I don't i believe you that there were vocals but i don't remember yeah yeah like
1: i said like those didn't vibe with me as much because i i I like i think i trend towards instrumentals in film uh but i understand like i guess the the thematic use of those lullaby scores
0: i agree there's something about at least in anime vocals being used like a, a a piece of music being used that has vocals during the middle of like a an anime movie or even an anime TV show um, that just, like, doesn't sit well with me. It's totally different Mm -hmm. because with, you know, Western shows, you get that all the time that there's vocals playing as, like, a scene is playing out, and it fits, but there's something about that with anime that, like, takes me back. Like, My Hero has done that a number of times in both the movies and the TV Mm -hmm. um, adaptation, and I'm just like, "I I don't want that. I don't need that. Uh, I think the only time I thought it was good, which I don't think is totally fair, is the opening for A Silent Voice, Talking About My Generation, or whatever that song is called.
1: Oh, that was by, like, The Who or Led Zeppelin or some I think it was, band? I think it was The Who. Okay. We're, we're going to look it up really quick before oh, we sound man, like yeah, assholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want us to gaslight ourselves here. Um, it was... Yeah, My Generation by The Who that was used in Asylum Voice.
0: I thought that was great because that was very unexpected for an anime movie. Um, and I think it fit the opening scenes so well. And I don't know, maybe it just resonated with me because it's a song that I grew up listening to. Um, but other than that, I'd, I sometimes I just cannot get into vocals in the middle of an anime scene.
1: I think there's only one vocal song in anime that did resonate with me and it's it was in Samurai Champloo I don't remember the name of the song it has to do with the character Mugen and it's a it's this like older Japanese singer who's singing a very like forlorn song like a folk song but I thought that they used that song with the vocals very beautifully in that episode which was mostly focused on the character mugen
0: i think the only time where vocals in an anime scene makes sense to me or that i'm okay with is when they infuse the op or the ed over the scene (laughs) like sometimes they don't even have the visuals of like an ed they just close out the episode with the scene continuing and then they just put the credits over it but then you still get the vocals and the song for the ed played over it that i'm okay with but that's probably just because I'm used to the OP I think in, at in those, point. Yeah, in
1: those cases, it just gives you a sense of closure.
0: Yeah, it's more cohesive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, like the music was nice in this movie. <laughs> Back on track, yeah. <laughs> The music was nice. Um, I, I'm sure I'd like it if I listened to it again. Um, and I I'd recall it being a, a really good fit for what was going on in this movie. But let's talk about characters and I guess kind of a bit of like kind of leading that into the actual story itself um i just i wanted to just get this off my chest so the whole wolf element i i i knew the premise of this movie going into it obviously it's called wolf children obviously in the key visual that she is holding two furry looking children with their tails and their ears out but i didn't know what level of furry to expect here and i would say overall it's not furry-esque but the mm-hmm. first couple of scenes when you're they're introducing the father character, I was kind of worried. I'm like, oh shit, is this going to be like watching Beastars again? <laughs> I was like a little nervous. Um, what was your take on the level of furriness that we got here? Do you think it was good? Do you think it was too much? What did you think?
1: I feel like we rarely ever saw the characters in wolf form. Like, like I, I want to say 80% of the movie was like them in human form and then 20% was seeing them in their wolf form so it wasn't like all in your face I guess
0: yeah yeah I'm right there with you I think really the the furry feels kind of just came out in the first couple of scenes again when they're introducing the father character and the backstory between him and, and their mother I do have to ask did he need to be a wolf when they had sex did he really need to be a fucking wolf? Like <laughs> why? Like he could have just been a human well, while he had sex with her, but he was like <laughs> like 75% wolf when they were banging. Like it just to me I was like I don't I didn't need that. I don't know if she needed it either, but I guess it was a touching scene.
1: Well, I w- I figure it's probably cuz animal <laughs> this, kind of, this sounds weird. Like animals or wolves or I guess even dogs have more stamina than the regular human
0: uh, that could be one reason so, my thought know. was maybe Hanna's into bestiality
1: oh god <laughs> so
0: she was like actually can you transform into a wolf before we do it like maybe that's her kink i don't know but it was just so weird to me well, like <laughs> you could choose to be a human you could even choose to be a human with two wolf ears and a tail like that that i think is where i would draw the line anything more than that like that's too much wolf in this moment <laughs>
1: I was about to say because he says like uh, on nights with a full moon, he becomes a wolf, right? He I don't think that. they have ever... I thought he could
0: just change will. Uh, wi- oh,
1: maybe the night that he showed her his, his power um, or his, his, his wolf blood was, I thought she mentioned it or like we saw a shot of the full moon and then that's when he transformed. I, I don't know if this movie ever makes it clear if, wolfy. <laughs> oh my god. If Okami or whatever his name was like if he can transform into a wolf at will like his children can or if it's like uh, if it meets the condition that there is a full moon out and so at night he transforms into the wolf.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's clear the kids have full control over their transformations, but uh, yeah, they didn't really specify.
1: I guess because they are like 75% human, 25% wolf.
0: Maybe. Also, did they actually get married? I keep calling him her husband, but I don't know if they actually got married.
1: I don't think so either.
0: All right, then I will refer to him as Okami. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what to call him because he doesn't have an official name. Um, the other related question, when he's explaining to Hana the lore around his family bloodline, he like to me, what I gathered from that is at the beginning of this family tree, was somebody who was into bestiality and banged a wolf, <laughs> right? Because, like, they're descendants of both humans and, like, this special wolf or, like, magical wolf. So you're telling me at some point somebody, a human, had to have banged this wolf in order to start the family tree in the first place, right?
1: I suppose your face is like yes. really. <laughs> your face is trying to grapple I with my questions. Didn't expect us to, to deconstruct this movie. <laughs> this these. Like, I'm, asking in such the, fashion. <laughs> I'm
0: asking the important questions. Okay, I'm asking. You're the... <laughs> asking the questions that
1: <laughs> are probably left unanswered.
0: I'm asking the questions that everyone is too afraid to ask. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, but, I mean that. That's what I gathered based on the way he was explaining his family lineage.
1: Well, I, I was reading that the Japanese wolf is actually an extinct species. It's been extinct in the country since
0: 1905.
1: That's sad Aww. yeah which is weird because I know in Japanese culture and in like Shintoism like the the wolf is regarded as like a like a messenger for like the spirits or like the gods, right? like even in the name Okami like kami, I associate that with with the Japanese term for God uh so it, its it's kind of strange that you know like the the wolf became extinct, but maybe it's because it's such a considered such a rarity that they are like highly regarded, even though in this movie it it's seen sort of as like a as a a hindrance to the 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 wolf dad and to the children
0: yeah i I don't know man i'm still, but, up on the, I'm the family sure at thing. some <laughs> point
1: maybe the person who did have relations with the wolf knew like oh man this species is about to go extinct
0: like okay here here's my thing <laughs> like i think back to inuyasha because inuyasha for anyone who's watched is half demon half human but the thing is like the the demons maintain a human-like form so intercourse I'm sure is pretty similar to intercourse between two humans they can turn into giant like wolf-like or dog-like creatures but most time they're maintaining this human form but again the way that Okami explained the family tree the family lineage is that at some point in the beginning of all of this came a wolf and a human banging and that's that's bestiality. That's all that is. So I don't know. Whatever happened there, somebody was 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 taking some risks. That's for
1: sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was like a a wolf deity, and they just formed.
0: <laughs> I would like to think that. It. I would like to think that because that makes more sense than like just banging an animal. Because then anyone could bang any animal, and then start this <laughs> half half animal, half human lineage, right? So like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's the the unspoken piece of clarity here is that the wolf was a spiritual demon maybe type of wolf where similar to inuyasha it had a human form we'll, we'll go with that one moving on
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think like the use of wolves as a, the, the sort of fantasy element in the story again it gives it that sort of ghibli feel
0: but I will say to my earlier point when we were talking you know, at the beginning of this episode, despite it having this very fantasy element of wolves, like you just said, I still think it maintains a really nice level of realism like throughout mm-hmm. the whole story. I feel like not that, that I know what it's like to be a single mother, but I can imagine that what Hana is going through and not having any family to rely on, not having the internet to rely on, um, having books that only touch on either... You know, adolescence and or child's. What am I trying to say? Uh, Touch on how to child rearing. A child, yeah, child rearing for humans, or like how to how wolves are raised. I don't know. Um, that's all that's at her fingertips. So she's very much alone in this. And I feel like the way she approaches the situations, and the way that she tries to come up with resolutions, like that, all seems very plausible.
1: Yeah, I feel like, uh, the 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 children's ability you turn into wolves it's sort of like a like a metaphor or an allegory um that that kind of coincides with Hannah's journey as a single mother because it's something that's that seems so extraordinary right that, that your children uh are, are, can turn into wolves uh, i guess the way we can kind of see it as you were saying is that um being a single mother is probably something very difficult to do and you kind of add that element of these these children turning into wolves and and it kind of just compounds it but i think the idea is that we just see hana regardless of the wolf bloodline or not like against kind of like struggling and doing her best to make good out of a, a very dire situation and i guess another interesting thing since i mentioned earlier that Uh, Hosoda, a lot of his cinema focuses around family is I think wolves, at least in nature, are the perfect animal to imbue or express that theme because wolves in nature are complex, highly intelligent animals who are caring, playful, and above all devoted to family. Uh, according to the internet <laughs> and only a, a select few other species exhibit these traits so clearly uh, you always hear the term wolf pack right um, and you always hear about like wolves leading the pack so they're, they're very family oriented uh, i'm thinking back to a, a quote from game of thrones from a character fra- of the house stark who says the, wol- the lone wolf dies but the pack survives which it kind of fits with what happens in this this film if you think about it.
0: I yeah. Speaking of dying, this is uh, something I wanted to mention. I just thought it was brutal, like watching that scene where Hana discovers her Okami's body in the river, and like she can't say anything because mm-hmm. she's gonna sound like a crazy person if she says that's my my significant other that, you know, that's the father of, of my children. So they'll be like, what the fuck? Um, But they have to watch them like pick him up and put him in a garbage bag and throw him in the back of a, a a dumpster, um, a garbage truck. Mm -hmm. And I'm like that again, the, the scene was not over dramatic. It was just, you watch this happen. You're standing, your POV is on the bridge, looking down at the river, watching them put him in the bag. And then you get, the next moment of Hana running over to the garbage truck and basically breaking down in front of these guys. And they're like, yeah, we can't give you this this dead wolf. We're taking it. It's got to go in the dump. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Like, there's no sound except for the sound of rain. And I thought that, again, that was an incredibly smart decision because you don't need to hear H- Hana like screaming and crying. You don't need to be right up in the heart of it. Watching from far away, I think, is just as impactful, if not more impactful. Um, than being like right in the center of that scene, so I, I loved that they they gave you just enough to make it really hit, like the feels really hit throughout that scene.
1: Yeah, actually, I, I had a note there that they would always use this sort of cinematography, like w- these wide shots of Hana and the the wolf dead at, at certain key points throughout the movie. Uh, one was when she asks if he wants to or asks. If, yeah, if Hannah asks if uh, the wolf dad wants to borrow her textbook, it's a wide shot. We're not in the conversation with them. Or if there was a shot on the bridge where the wolf dad was trying to tell Hannah about his his, his bloodline, and it's a wide shot of the bridge, and then, yeah, you have the, the, uh, his, his death, and we just see everything far away. Like There's a narrative distance in that. And I think that's very poignant in that final scene where we're seeing the wolf get unceremoniously dumped into that, that dump truck is because like we, this is something that a lot of us can't relate to, but this is something that's very real for Hana. And what I kind of appreciate about the movie at this point with giving us that distance is like we, we see her. Obviously, she's distraught. She's crying, even though her crying is very faint. But Hana doesn't allow her life to fall in despair after experiencing such a traumatic, traumatic event. And I'm, like, I'm sure that's typical in a lot of similar situations where a loved one has passed away and, and you're left to um, take care of, of the children. But I guess like knowing that she has these two kids to take care of, she just accepts her burden without hesitation and continues to provide for them in as best a manner as she can and that kind of reinforces like that that wolf pack mentality which i, I think it's great that we see the the, the physical representation of this with the well, the children being able to turn into wolves but also conceptually with how much Hannah's is trying to keep this family together
0: yeah and you even see the scene um halfway through the movie where Yuki and Ame start arguing because Ame, clearly they're starting to, like their, their paths are starting to split. They're both looking to do different things with their lives, but it's tough for them to accept the other person's desire because probably of that nature of wanting to stay together with the pack. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean' they're, they're a direct conflict and then they start beating each other up all over the house. Um, while we're talking about the the kids and about the realism, i really appreciated that they used actual child voice actors to voice yuki and ame when they were children because that just played so much more into the level of realism that they we, that we were getting from this movie and like voice actors adult voice actors are very very talented and there have been a lot of great adult voice actors who have voiced children in anime that sound pretty damn good but there's nothing that can be quite replicated like an actual child's voice. So mm-hmm. hearing them as actually voiced by actual children, I thought was just so refreshing. And again, like really helped me to 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 get more immersed in this world that already was displaying, again, that level of realism.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the voice cast right now. Uh, not many like big names that I, at least I recognize. Um, on the japanese dub side or even on the english dub side uh says here so his mother was the japanese voice for valentine from cowboy bebop that's kind of interesting um but yeah i think it's it's nice that they were able to use child actors to really give the movie that more that much more sense of realism despite the fantasy element and that they, they do sound like children it's not like, it's not a, a a adult voice actor trying to replicate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, another thing I wanted to call out, I think I meant to call this out earlier, but um, I, I enjoyed not only the level of realism, but the fact that this movie wasn't just kind of this family going through the motions for most of it. Like, I, I was worried at first that there would not be a real like end goal or plot or like resolution that we were working toward but to me i just think the plot is not super obvious until the end because in the beginning it did feel kind of like you were just going through the motions with this family and just you know living the everyday life as they try to figure out what a you know what a normal family should be like when the children are half wolves but i feel like it's a combination of um like the 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 overall plot is a combination of how hana learns to be a mother to these two unique children on her own but then also how these children learn who they want to be at the end of the day a human or a wolf
1: yeah i think you can kind of split the movie into three acts the first being the love story between hana and and the wolf dad uh second one being hana being acclimated to single motherhood and then the third being the children finding their paths in life uh yeah, the second act, you know, when they they go to the countryside, uh, and Akana buys the, the the decrepit house, even though the real estate agent is like so adamant on how terrible this house is. Yeah, he is. was like
0: trying to not sell it to her, yeah.
1: <laughs> but then she's like, "I'll take it." Uh, definite like my neighbor Totoro vibes from that. Um, seeing as that movie too also had like a decrepit house
0: that felt like a one-to-one not gonna yeah. lie like the moment they purchased that house to them like i don't know whatever scene came next like the the old dude helping them with farming like all of that felt like my neighbor told like cleaning up the house the kids running through the field it's all unkempt and then it slowly becomes better just yeah it was like a one-for-one one.
1: yeah like that's all i was thinking as i was watching that that second like quote-unquote second act um, I'm just surprised that Hannah was able to do these like DIY renovations all on her own, but I think that kind of contributes to us seeing how uh, again yeah, how much she has to do to make best with the situation that she's given with raising these children.
0: Yeah, there's no way like I that's one of the parts of this movie I thought was unrealistic was how cleaned up and transformed that house was. I'm not saying she can't clean up the house. That anyone can't clean up the house, but the level that the level of transformation there, I feel like could only be achieved by like a professional crew. <laughs> and maybe she brought some in and we just never saw it. But to no, me, it's yeah. like any person, any one person could not transform that house to that degree unless they had a background in like renovations and construction. I just thought that I mean it was fine. It did it didn't sour my taste at the end of the day when it came to this movie. It was just one of those things where I was like, hmm. Seems a little less realistic than what I'd expect, but it's fine. Like, the house looks fine and it's livable now. <laughs> yeah. And then you
1: have the, like, Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino kind of character Yeah, in. I kind
0: of wish we got more of that mm-hmm. because they they introduce him. He is obviously Sundari as hell and does ultimately help her with her farming. And some of the other neighbors mention, like, oh, he feels very strongly about you. He's very protective of you, like, almost as if you're a daughter figure to him. Um, He never comes out and says it but other people tell her that he says make sure you watch over her make sure you help her make sure you give her this and that like I thought that was such a sweet dynamic because he was wearing a wedding ring and I remember saying to you in the middle of the Mm. movie I was like oh I bet you know maybe he lost his wife maybe he you know lost his daughter or is estranged from his daughter and so he sees uh, Hana as you know a, a surrogate daughter of sorts but then it didn't go anywhere. Like, that's one of the things I wish they explored a little bit more was that dynamic. Like, her finally having somebody to support her. Um, She had the whole village, don't get me wrong. But somebody Mm -hmm. specific who had, like, a strong bond with her to help support her.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling that he was somewhat related to Wolf Dad. (laughs) I don't know why I got that. Because I think he came from that region because he had the photograph of the mountains in the background. That part I'm not so clear on. Um, after watching the movie but yeah i thought that i think his name was nirasaki the old man um, had that connection with wolf dead and that's why he was even though he's he's kind of cranky the whole time like he was still willing to help hana out but i think it's more so the movie just reinforcing the the wolf pack mentality uh, seeing this newcomer into the village uh, and i guess nirasaki kind of being Somewhat of a leader in the village, you know that because everyone's taking his orders and, and making sure that the uh, Hana is being accommodated. Well, um, that's sort of like what, what he represents. I also kind of took it that many people in the village kind of misunderstand, or like, like Nirasaki is kind of misunderstood by the village, much like Hana feels like she is sort of misunderstood with her situation with the Wolf Children, but. Even though he is also a misunderstood character, it doesn't prevent him from treating Hana with kindness in his own way.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Yuki and Ame, especially as they as we watch them grow up pretty much about like the second half of the film.
1: I kind of like the, the hallway scene where it does that pretty quickly, but in a way that's that's still effective.
0: Oh, the hallway scene in the school?
1: Yeah, where it darts back and forth between their classrooms, and you can see like the art and the posters kind of signaling the school years that are passing by.
0: Yeah, I thought that the time skip was appropriate um, because I, I think it would be a little too much to follow their entire childhood and adolescence. Um, I, I found it interesting that they almost had a personality switch mm-hmm. at, like before that hallway scene and then after that hallway scene because before that... Yuki was very much the outgoing, outspoken one, and Ame was very scared and and reserved. And then it flips, and yeah, Ame is still pretty reserved, but he is more determined and knows what he wants versus Yuki, who is shy, really, in in her school setting and has a hard time connecting with people and, and whatnot. And I will say, when they had that scene of Ame almost drowning in the river, and he, like, clocks his head on that rock... Um, and I think Yuki narrates saying like after that moment Um, Ame's personality changed I actually didn't notice much of a change was it supposed to be noticeable or was it just the fact that he became more determined because I feel like that that determination that he developed just could have come out of his experiences in the forest with the fox not because he clocked his head on a rock
1: well I think before that he had tried to catch a was it a rabbit um, a bird I oh think. yeah a bird because he was before that there was a scene where he was i think he was hunting and he wasn't doing so hot but then he managed to do this on his own and that probably gave him like like big dick energy
0: <laughs> oh okay because i thought they like he was saying that because he smacked his head against the rock oh, that, like no. met, like in his brain some like a switch flipped or something no yeah
1: i mean yeah because after that, after he catches the bird, he does have the terrifying event where he's going down the stream and he no one's around to help him until Yuki steps in. But maybe there was also a, a, a rush of adrenaline from that event where he he started to become more of like that thrill seeker. Almost like where <laughs> I wrote in my notes, uh, like SpongeBob in the Nature Pants episode. he wants to be like one with the jellyfish oh yeah that's kind of what like that's what ami becomes after that point like when his his eyes are open to the wonders of nature and kind of embracing his true in his true inner wolf
0: i also found it interesting to your point about him becoming choosing the path of a wolf that earlier on in the movie hana says you know what do you guys want to become you have to make a choice at some point if you're going to be a human or if you're going to be a wolf but then when the time comes for ame to make that decision she has a hard time letting him go and it could just be because it's it's her son right like that's very difficult he's only 10 Mm -hmm. years old and i mean they did that with ash ketchum right like they threw his ass (laughs) out in the world but here
1: wolves and dogs (laughs) when they're 10 they're they're dick considered adults right they
0: are yes (laughs) but i think he'll live in wolf form far longer than any other wolves because Mm. he has the potential to change into a human um but i just thought it was interesting that she said that right in the beginning and gives them that guidance almost gives them the okay to make that decision but when ame is ready to do so she's very hesitant i i would say it's probably just because of his age that was my takeaway is like he's too young in her eyes um and then it's not until she has that vision of okami her significant other saying like he is ready he is of that age because he's half wolf then she is more accepting of it
1: yeah i guess that too metaphorically just represents um parents or a mother trying to reconcile with the fact that their children are growing up and they will end up doing things that we will have no say in um so (laughs) i guess if you take away the the literal age thing um it's hana just showing like that parental worry for her children
0: yeah i also found it interesting that ame basically grew up to look like his dad like a one-for-one both in human Mm. and wolf form like when he has that final transformation um at the end like he looks like his father did as a wolf and then as a, a human he's got like the same shirt with the wide collar. His hair is like long, like somewhat long and, and scruffy. Like he's just a one for one for his dad.
1: I do have a question for you in terms of Yuki. For me? Yes. Whoa. So like we we see that Ame is embracing the the wolf aspect of his, his heritage. With Yuki, do you think that she is kind of rejecting that? And like, Her not wanting to become a wolf as much as Ame has.
0: Yes. I I like that you point that out. Yeah, I would say that her choice to be a human is not because she wants to be a human. It's because she wants to reject being a wolf. There's a very big difference there, right? Like, Mm. I think she's comfortable being a human, but I don't think she's driven to become a human. I think, to your point, she's... The other option when you're rejecting being a wolf is to be a human, so she's being a human by default. Um, And she's only doing that because of that incident that she had with Sohei where she transformed partially and, and attacked him. And at that point, I think just that solidified her path in life.
1: OK, do you see that as something like a, as, a, as a negative for her? that Kind
0: of, yeah. Hmm. I, I feel like she was so torn up about that until she could finally reveal to Sohei at the end that she is part wolf, that she felt free. I mean, she even said, like I've been dealing with this and struggling with this for years. I've been bottling it up inside. It just feels so nice to finally tell somebody. So I'm hoping at that point, that's when she says, Yes, I actually do want to become a human, but still embrace my wolf side. Yeah. Um, I know it's not public knowledge, right? But like, assuming she gets together with Sohei or he plays a significant part in the rest of her life, she'll be able to at least embrace that, um, both sides of her, the same way her father could with Hana.
1: Yeah. That's what I kind of envisioned it as, like, with her revealing the secret to Sohei, that's kind of a stepping stone for her to embrace who she really is. Um, not to, again, not that she's rejecting her her wolf blood, but seeing that someone like Sohei, who she had inflicted harm upon, but still promises to keep her secret, even though, like, it's still not known to the rest of her, her school, but at least to him, um that's probably something that will help her reconcile with yes i am half human and half wolf but it doesn't mean i can deny one part of what makes me whole
0: so speaking of sohei um kind of thinking about the the end moments of this movie i have a question about him and one thing i thought that was like, it was fine to be mentioned, but I didn't really need it at the same time. Why do we need to know about Sohei's mom getting remarried and becoming a bitch? Like, to me, that only served to explain why no one came to pick him up at school when the um, the heavy rain was coming through. But, like, it just seems – I don't know. It seems like overkill just to say that – to go through all of that just to tell us that he didn't get picked up from the school. And then he's kind of like he, – he says – in the the scene with hana i'm sorry with yuki at the end where they're hiding in the classroom he's like well I'm, my mom hates me he goes through this whole song and dance explains the whole remarriage thing he's like my mom hates me and then yuki was suddenly like well i'm a wolf and i'm like okay <laughs> like i just to me it seemed kind of disjointed he's he's telling her all of this and then she's like oh well I'm a wolf. Like, my only thought is, like, maybe she he was sharing with her a secret that he had, something that weighed heavily on him. And in that moment, she felt she could do the same by telling him what was weighing heavily with her. But it almost felt like he was trying to reach out to her. And say like, hey, I kind of need help. I need someone to talk to. And she was like, oh, well, guess what? I'm a wolf. (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. well, hang on. Like, he he needs someone to confide in. You you probably should kind of cheer him up instead of just taking the spotlight in this moment. So I don't know. I just, I felt like maybe those are the only two purposes it served was to tell us why he didn't get picked up and to give Hana, Hana, Yuki, an opening to reveal her secret. But I felt like it was kind of unnecessary. They probably have done that in a more natural way.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting thing to to think about. Uh, I do recall Sohei mentioning that because his his mom's a a, a bitch, <laughs> a raging <that> bitch. <laughs> he he feels like a, a lone wolf. Ooh, Ooh like the, look at the themes. themes coming in here. Um but I think with uh, Yuki revealing to Sohei that she is a wolf is kind of her showing how much she trusts Sohei. how much she values him as a as a friend even though she was kind of wary of him before and in their own pairing they too like they they realize that they kind of need each other whereas yuki kind of feels lost because she can't interact with people in normal situations because she fears that her wolf blood is going to kind of be a hindrance to that and then soe here who feels distant from his own family and has to like he is kind of left to fend for his own uh, especially in this scene where they're both stuck in the school together so i think them confiding in the, each other in this moment kind of gives those two like a a certain wolf pack mentality knowing that they are there for each other and can confide in each other
0: okay that makes sense i also hope side note that they get married in the of course you're gonna ship them (laughs) i ship the shit out of them they're so cute um yeah i like Sohei. i thought at first he's gonna be that annoying like bully character but i thought he was a really compelling character i love how in in the scene where his mom is yelling at yuki and hana Um, The fact that he chose to keep her secret was really great. And then also I think he felt bad because he ultimately it's his fault, right? Like it's his fucking fault. He he kept being too pressing. Yeah. He kept pressing her and you know with good intention, I'm sure because he probably really wanted to be her friend and was concerned as to why this person was being distant from him. Um, But ultimately it's, it's his fault. Um, and I think it's personal, he... space. Yeah. <laughs> personal space one. Personal space. I feel like he he recognizes that and then goes to her house to try and make amends. And I just think overall he may be like a troubled boy, but he's still like a good kid on the inside. So I'm glad that he and and Yuki ultimately become friends. And then with the final decision of you know, Yuki choosing to be human and then Ame, choosing to be a wolf. I found it really sweet that Hana accepts her son's choice at the end to become a wolf and, and live in the mountains or whatever. But I have one burning, burning question. I have a lot of burning questions here, but yet mm. another burning question What is she going to tell everyone where they ask where Amé is, or when they ask where 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 Amé is? Like, what is she gonna say? People are gonna be like, "Where's your son? We haven't seen him in months. Is he okay?" Like, she's gonna be like, "Yeah, he lives in the forest now."
1: Yeah, especially like with uh, like child services. I know they showed up for a hot second early in the film, but I feel like they they would continue to keep tabs on her even as she's moved out into the countryside to make sure that the children are doing okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know it, if it's like a like a Hikikomori situation where they're out of sight and out of mind, and that's that's what she's telling the villagers. Just tell him he's hiding in his room right. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe they could just accept that, or I don't know, like he he died in a marching accident. <laughs> Wait, what? What, what, what? what do you what do you think?
0: Uh, oh, I was gonna say I. I don't know. I don't know what she would say. Like, I, I, I would not, if I were in her shoes, I would not know what to say that would thwart off any suspicion. Like, I feel like at some point, we already saw child services show up once to Hannah's, you know, first house. I, What's stopping them from showing up at the other one? He doesn't go to school anymore, but he hasn't ne- necessarily disappeared from everyone's lives. Here he's actually disappearing. So, like, mm. what the fuck? she's gonna have to like call if someone's coming over from child services she's gonna have to find him in the woods but can you just transform back to a human for a few days so that you can show that you're still here (laughs) yeah
1: i was gonna say like she uses the storm as a a sort of alibi to explain like if he passed away in the storm which sounds kind of fucked up to say that your child died and he's actually just out in nature protecting the forest
0: i would hope she doesn't say that i hope there's like some some other or if she just like if she
1: just comes clean about the whole thing which i understand is probably difficult to do but i feel like this village has welcomed her and her family enough that they'll they'll understand
0: yeah that's something okay so let's talk about the the ending as a whole um not as a whole i guess like the very very end of this movie i kind of wish a couple of things one of them being that she revealed to somebody that her children are half wolves because yuki revealed it to Sohei, and that was very like, cathartic for her and i feel like hana would have had such a weight lifted off of her so- off of her shoulders if for example she had developed a close relationship with N- N- nirisaki is that his name the old nirisaki yeah yeah, and then found a moment to reveal to him the truth about her children so that she didn't have to carry the secret all alone now that her, her husband is gone. Um, or just somebody, right? Like, I, I wanted a Sohei-like person for Hana who she could confide in and feel like, you know, she can let some of that off of her off her shoulders or off her chest or whatever. The other thing that I had kind of hoped for from this ending was a bit more of a resolution for the future. Like something along the lines of like Ame still visits her sometimes because he cares about his mom, that he hasn't just left her and then that's it. (laughs) Or that like Yuki grew up and married Sohei and then takes care of Hana because it kind of felt like at the end that both kids just left her and now she's alone. (laughs) Like I know Hana or Yuki is still at the school. She's boarding there. But I'm kind of like, damn, your mom's all alone now. I think it's just her
1: finally enjoying the emptiness, nest like I, like yeah, some the home- goddamn
0: peace and quiet after <laughs> being a single mother raising two half wolf children i yeah. you know what yeah maybe she did want to be alone she looks very happy <laughs>
1: yeah i there is some sense of closure with the ending yeah it doesn't sit well with me that that ame like even though he's he's of age according to wolf dad and that vision is just roaming around uh and like yeah yuki moving to the dorm i can see that like objectively they're both moving on with their lives and i think what we just have to kind of like uh, like accept with hana or like the conclusion of her story is that she was able to overcome all odds by the end and raise her children enough to make decisions for themselves of their own volition and that they turned out to be well rounded individuals and so not like the, the the feral werewolves that society probably thought they would be, but I mean I guess Ami is is a wolf. <laughs> so yeah. but it, it's more him just taking up the position of protecting a forest or leading his own wolf pack and then Yuki going off to do To do her thing while still embracing her unique bloodline. And so that brings us to our final thoughts for Wolf Children. So, how many, who, what, where, wolf, and wise out of 10 would you give this movie?
0: I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. I thought it was a really nice movie. I thought it had a lot of heart. I, again, I said it a bunch. I-, I love the level of realism here. Um, just like an honest, true take on what it could be like to be a single mother doing this all on your own. Um, I love just the believability when it came to the relationships between a lot of these characters. Um, nothing felt super over the top except for the weird sex scene with a half wolf dude. Um, And yeah, I just thought it was fun. I thought it was a, a really enjoyable movie that tugged at the heartstrings without feeling like it was trying too hard to make you cry because we've watched a lot of anime movies that just felt like they were trying to milk the tears out of you and they were certainly sad but some of that kind of ruins the the honest emotions that you get through watching it here i felt like all the emotions i experienced were very honest were very real and didn't feel forced but what about you
1: i'll give her the same score an eight and a half out of ten uh outside of Outside of its fantasy elements, I thought it was a very heartwarming story about a single mother who does her absolute damnedest to raise her kids. And as you said, it's not like overly dramatic or making you cry an entire river. And I appreciate at the end that you you get that closure and you get to see um, Hana like see the fruit of her labors with being able to have raised her children in a way that, as I mentioned earlier, that they are able to hold their own. And along with getting like a blessing from Wolf Dad in her vision, getting the confirmation from him that she has indeed raised their children well. And I guess on first impression of this film, to talk about the director, Mamoru Hosoda, I think he is to the themes of family what Miyazaki is to themes of childhood and youth, having only watched Wolf Children and My Neighbor Totoro from both directors. Uh, I think Osora definitely takes these mature topics like the challenges of adolescence, parenting, and kindness towards others, regardless of their imperfections, and is able to put like a, a tale like spin on the story that still manages to keep it relatable and full of empathy and so i think for me and hopefully for you this kind of opens the doors more to watching other mamoru hosoda films and seeing how he continues to tackle these themes in their respective stories i think i would have just loved to know more about wolfman himself the wolf dad we really didn't get any sort of insight into his backstory besides the fact that he worked for like a, a moving company and didn't have like a permanent home but i guess the point of the story is kind of not knowing where he came from with his unique story since he he gets taken out of it so early and from there like knowing where to start where life throws you a curveball and that's what hannah has to work through and just seeing her persist through, nevertheless. I think that's the point of like why we never saw Wolfman, uh, although I-, I would've kind of loved to see more of, or like get more insight into who he is. But I guess, nonetheless, this whole thing is still a better love story than Twilight's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really quick, I-, I just have to say, I actually thought that we got uh, enough of Okami's backstory to at least get the the baseline set up the foundation set up for this movie but to me the focus was hana like i think what we needed Mm -hmm. to get from her relationship with okami is one that he's a wolf and what that means at a high level um and then two the fact that they were in love we needed to be convinced very early on very quickly that they truly were in love that they had chemistry and that we as viewers, you know, shipped them as well. And we got that. And that's what made it so difficult to see his death. That's what made it so difficult to watch or go through this all alone. Sometimes, you know, call out to him thinking, you know, am I doing this right? Or how do I handle this situation? Um, that's that's the purpose he played. So I, I'm actually okay not getting more around him. I think it would be a more interesting story that we could get more invested in, knowing what his history and family and everything were like. But for purposes of this story and, and the parts that we're getting, I think there was an appropriate amount of information around him. But yeah, he's still a mystery, right? Like, there's still, mm. like, curiosity there. I, I would still like to know more, but I don't need to know more to still yeah. enjoy this story. Yeah,
1: that's, that's what I was getting at. Like, I understand that he has to be mysterious in order for Hana's story to properly progress. But I guess in a in a different world, it would have been nice to get more of his backstory. I guess, like, even to see this developed into a a series.
0: I found it interesting that she was saying, oh, I wish I'd asked more questions of him about what it was like being half-wolf. I'm like, how did you not? That is so crazy to me. If if I were with somebody who was half-wolf, I would be asking them all sorts of questions about what it's like. Like, how do you control your transformation? When did you start transforming? What does it feel like when you transform? Do you have, like, animal instincts? Like, I would have been... Like just a wealth of knowledge would have would have been exchanged, I think, because I, I would want to know every facet about that, knowing that no one else is aware of something like this. Um, so yeah, I'm just that she dropped the ball on that one, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it
1: wasn't her. It was just the movie runtime.
0: <laughs> well, she said she said that she she oh, yeah, wished yeah, she yeah, asked yeah, yeah. more questions. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, I'm sure she was just happy being in the moment with him, but like, damn, I would have been asking him so many fucking questions. <laughs>
1: maybe she was just in love with him for what for who he was. Yeah, like, she looked beyond that.
0: Yeah, I guess. I don't know, my curiosity is stronger than that. <laughs> <laughs> but that wraps up our review of Wolf Children. Thank you so much everyone for listening. Let us know what you thought about the movie, like if if you guys liked it, um if you felt like it had some you know, Miyazaki, my neighbor Totoro feels if you felt like, you know, the, the movie was decently realistic. If you enjoyed the human wolf sex scene, you know, tell us these things. I'm curious. You can reach out to us in many, many different ways. But thank yeah, you again. I would again. love to hear. <laughs> <about that. laughs> tell us. I want to know. But thank you everyone again for for tuning in. We appreciate it. We We appreciate you guys and all the support that you give us. And that wraps up this episode 85 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation and to talk all about wolf sex. Follow us on Instagram at thestrictlyseries and on Twitter at Strictlyseries and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.